Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're bringing in my pal, Russell Vogt, former OMB director, budget director in the Trump administration. He is now president, Center for Renewing America. Russ, good morning. Thanks for giving us a little bit of time. Appreciate it. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for having me. Yeah, always, always, buddy. Um, I want to talk about balanced budgets. All right. The, the, the Biden budget here, I mean, they're saying how much the deficit came down. Deficit comes down, but then it goes back up. And debt to GDP continues to rise. I guess it's 107 percent publicly held debt as a share of gross domestic product. He's got 36 tax hikes, 11 directly aimed at fossil fuels. I just love that. Uh, So it's an anti-growth budget. But, Russ, you and I were talking this past week, and we're going to try to launch some kind of balanced budget exercise, Uh, you know, for benefit of viewers – we're not always tuned into the details. Could we ever get a balanced budget in your judgment? I do believe that we can. And we put forward uh, such a budget uh, all four years of the Trump administration that was both pro-growth uh, and got a handle on our, our fiscal situation. And you need both. You, you cannot balance the budget uh, without growth. And so you've got to be able to have tax policies that allow for freedom and opportunity and entrepreneurship. You've got to have pro-energy uh, policies that allow for an energy sector to, to thrive. And you've got to have a deregulatory initiative as well that, that doesn't want to saddle you know, ranchers and small businesses across the country. But you also have to uh, make t- some tough decisions when it comes to spending. And we had, uh, in our last budget, we had about $4.5 trillion in savings that really compounded in the over not just in the first 10 years but in the second 10 years you know and people would say well you know you didn't do anything on mandatory spending it's not true we had half of those cuts were reforms to welfare uh things like a work requirement things to lower the cost of drug pricing uh there was a lot of things that we were doing but we most importantly what we were doing which is not what this town has wanted to do referring to dc and not new york is that they have not wanted to tackle the discretionary spending that the country deals with every single year. And so that's your woke government, your woke bureaucracies that dramatically need to be scaled back and is the easiest to actually cut. If you can't cut the Bob Dylan statute in Mozambique, you cannot have a conversation (laughs) about welfare reform. I'm sorry, you just can't. (laughs) I love that. By the way, your phrase, woke budget, which I have borrowed – I do attribute it to you, but it's exactly <laughs> what these guys are doing. It's a woke budget with 100 mentions of equity, uh, as well as their fatwa against uh, fossil fuels. But tell us a little bit more. Uh, so you can preserve Social Security. You can preserve Medicare. But there's a lot to be cut in the so-called discretionary areas, the non-mandatory areas. Can you Can you give our viewers a couple of hints about that? Our listeners, rather. Sure. So, I mean, you, you, let's take Environmental Protection Agency. Most people think that that's just clean air and clean water, which you and I, of course, would support. That doesn't need a 30% increase, and it, it actually needs to be reduced significantly back to uh, levels you know not seen in, in probably a decade or so. And the reason I say that is because it, you know what the bureaucrats are doing over there is they're doing criminal prosecutions against people – 
uh, ranchers uh, who are building ponds on their property to deal with wildfire or just to have livestock ponds for their kids. And we saw that with a guy named Joe Robertson, 77-year-old Navy veteran who spent 18 years in his life, in, in, uh, in the last 18 months of his life at the end, uh, in prison because of the waters of the United States. Now, we, we changed that, but that's the mindset of the, the EPA bureaucrat. And you can find an example of that at everything from the Department of Education that's trying to put our CRT in our schools to the DOJ that's trying to treat our parents who are concerned at a school board meeting and use the, the powers of the federal government to say that they are domestic terrorists. And so mm. that's where a lot of this pushback, we need annual cuts to these bureaucracies. It will just so happen to also allow us to balance our books. And if it takes, you know, we did it in 15 years uh, we could, if it, it takes 10 years, we can have a debate about how long it should take. I'd love to get in the bidding war with, with fiscal conservatives about how fast we could do it. Uh, but we got to have that fiscal goal. There's nothing that allows policymakers to have a better fiscal goal than balancing the budget. It's the only thing that the American people really understand as well. You know, Russ, just thinking about these discretionary spending items. So, Congress just passed this semiconductor subsidy, you know, compete with China, blah, blah, blah. They want it to be more China than China. Spend a lot of money, give Intel a lot of money. Basically, I think of it as the Intel bailout bill. Uh, I had uh, dinner with a leading, not Intel, but a CEO of another gigantic um, chip company, uh, a good one that doesn't want subsidies. And he was saying to me, there's $200 billion, $200 billion of private investment out there that is actually working. So we didn't really need this $250 billion because the private sector would do it anyway. Now, this thing passed, this abomination, bailouts, Intel subsidies. And Russ, you know what? They'll probably build it up over time, right? It'll go to $300 and $400 and $500 billion. No, no. I mean, these subsidies never go down. Uh, you know, and I think some of that's going to be authorized, and there'll be a fight annually as to how much we actually spend towards it. Um, but there's no question that they build. You know, these subsidies lead to. Uh, you know, they, they have their own compounding effect uh, in terms of the, the spending game. It's very hard. You know, your old boss Ronald Reagan said, you know, the closest thing to permanence is a federal program. Mm. Uh, and, and we see that constantly uh, in the world that we live in. So, you know, your basic point is, contrary to what the D.C. Swamp says, there are a number of areas that can be cut. And here's uh, – so totally I agree with you. And as a former OMB guy, I always supported you in the Oval Office meetings, you and, and Mick Mulvaney. But um, the idea is – no one seems to talk anymore in either party. I, that's a little bit harsh, but mostly they don't talk about cutting spending. Okay, I don't hear that phrase very much at all. And, and I hate to say it, but both sides of the aisle. But, you know, in general, we passed this omnibus appropriations bill. Um, what happened? We need to build up military spending. I'm all for that. Uh but the deal was if we build up military, we've got to build up domestic. So they did both. No one talks right. about cutting spending. 
What is up with that? Well, there's a couple of threads here, and I think you're absolutely right. And there has been this viewpoint, even by some some of the, 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 the budget cutters that are most famous, your Paul Ryans of the world, right. that if you don't touch entitlements, if you don't touch mandatory spending, and we touched it, we, we had reforms in those areas, that you're not really being serious. But the, the, the problem with that mentality is that you never start anywhere. And so politically, the idea that the American people are going to allow you to touch their most cherished programs when you have not shown that you can actually go after the bureaucracy that they hate and that you have a vote on on an annual basis, they're never going to listen to you. And I also believe that to the extent that you know you it's it's like a family then they decide over that they you know they look at their balance sheet and they say look we got to get a handle on this mm. the first thing they they deal with is their discretionary spending they they deal with their out to eat budget they deal with their shopping budget they may over time reduce less to the kids uh, college education fund but that's a long time conversation where that you got to start with the easy stuff before you can get to the hard stuff mm. we did both But the American people are going to expect their political leaders to deal with the foreign aid, even if it's a small percentage of the budget that's needed to be fixed before they can touch other things that are a little bit more pressing to them. I mean, politically, Russ, is it useful, worthwhile, beneficial to talk about a balanced budget again? I I believe it is. You know, I've been at this for 20 years or so. Um, everyone wants to have a different fiscal goal. That's the only one that's out there that the American people understand. Yeah, I think so. I think you change the language, you change the goals. As you said to me, the principle of a balanced budget is so important. Anyway, Russell Boat, thanks very, very much. Much more to be revealed. Folks, quick break. General Keene is on the other side of the break. 